Hey, Schmazettes, you're listening to Listen. Listen with Patty and Emily. I'm Patty. And I'm Emily. Five, six, seven, eight. Patty and Emily, most obsessively talking about all your favorite Broadway shows. Patty and Emily, thoughts and comedy from Broadway super fans. From Broadway Superfans. We went to a fancy opening this week. We did. We were there, and it happened. It's true. <laughs> yeah, we saw, what was it called? Fool for Love. Saw two shows about love this week. Last week? In between. Well, yeah, I Since guess. Since I've been home. I guess I say this week, and I really mean the week previous. Yeah, yeah weekly weeks are confusing. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Fool for Love. Fool for Love. The other one's Trip oh, of right. Love. And Trip I didn't of see Love, that. Fool for, for Love. love. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we saw Trip of Love. You saw Trip no, of Love. This, the what? <laughs> Fool for Love. Fuck. <laughs> yes. Fool for Love. Yeah, Fool for Love. Yeah. That was, we went at MTC. Yes. We saw it. I didn't like it. It's not great. Yeah. You know what's interesting is like, I, of course, like the next morning went on to Did He Like It? And it was like every single one was a thumbs up. And I was like, okay, whatever. But then like the few people that I've mentioned it to in the past week have been Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I saw, you know, Fool for Love. Yeah. I saw <laughs> Fool for Love and and I I'm like, I thought it was really sexist and boring. And then literally every person's like, Well, that's Sam Shepard for you. And I'm mm. like, apparently, I had no idea this is my first Sam Shepard play. It's but apparently play, that's his Emma. Uh, what's the other true true romance? Is that that's that the only other like one that title. I've heard of. That's a title I'm familiar with. Um let me make sure that that's his. But and I hadn't seen any either. And I think I don't know. I feel like if it were a new play, maybe reactions would be different. And if it were done by someone else, but there are those, those people, usually men that like, that's just the way that they write. Right. And it's, there's something else seen in them, perhaps because at one point in time we saw the world differently, or perhaps because at one point in time they actually had something different to say. Mm. And now we, not we, but now people infer a deeper meaning in their newer works that don't actually exist. Right. Like, I don't know, Woody Allen, who's horrible. And he, he just keeps writing the same things over and over again, regardless of the other Seriously. awful monster things that he's done. Right. Yeah, he kind of only has one idea. No, it's not true romance. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> what am I thinking? I only of? recognized that it was two words I had heard put together before. It must be. I'm going to look it up because it must be something... Of a similar... Will you show me a picture of Sam Shepard? Because I think I know what he looks you like. do, but I but will I'm in a minute. Not, yeah. I need a... Man, whoever was just listening to this podcast was like, true romance is not Sam Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> what? True West. True West. That's one that I've heard of. It's, I guess, What's this, that? that, another play, and Fool for Love are like part of a... Yeah, I don't really trilogy. have any interest in seeing uh, Sam Shepard plays again after this one. Well, I just... certainly not if this is like, oh, yeah, that's what his plays right, are Right, exactly. Like. If people are like, yeah, that's what his plays are like, then I'm like, well, not for me. I didn't like it. I thought it was really, really sexist. I thought it was pretty boring. And I, anytime I see a play where there is excessive 
yelling. I just, I'm like, you didn't know how to write a play. Well, yeah, that's... I don't want to fucking watch people scream at each other. Like, watch people fight. You know, like, you, after we saw it, you brought up, like, disgraced. And, like, yeah, like, they were yelling in disgrace sometimes, but they had substantive things to say. They were actually arguing about something. And also the structure of Fool for Love is, like... (laughs) I don't, I mean, I hated the structure because it's like you have these characters who just like you just happen upon them and they start talking to each other and you're like, who are you? What are you? What's going on? Right. And like the, oh, he was in August Osage County. He was the dad. Who? Who? Sam Shepard, who wanders off. The movie? Oh, the movie. Well, we watched the movie together. I did. Wait, what? Show me a picture of him. I'm also it was oh, and he was in the Pelican Brief, like this oh, and Steel Magnolias. Brief. He was he's Dolly Parton's husband in Steel and Steel I Magnolias. Need to see a photo of him. Yeah. okay. I recognize that human face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Truvy's husband in Steel Magnolias. Okay. Yeah, uh, your plays were boring. Well, and this was another thing that we talked about. Where oh, we were just talking about this. It like starts in the middle of this argument <gasps> and I don't, I, it's like a 20, 30 year old play. So I guess we're not really spoiling anything for you, but I didn't realize that it was a revival. It's not, I think it's, it's Broadway premieres uh, off Broadway. Uh, Ed Harris played the guy. That's just going to keep, I'm I get just, it. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I'm just going to keep naming white people and see if you can figure out who I'm Ed talking Harris. about. Was um in the Truman Show? Yeah, he was the guy with the glasses. I, I that knew, was what I was I, trying to think of. That movie. I knew he, that was your reference for some reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> I literally could not name another thing he's been in. He's in um um Apollo thirteen. Oh yeah, he's in one of my favorite nineties movies, Milk Money. I haven't seen that. About uh, his son um pays Melanie Griffith, who's a prostitute money his milk money to show show him and his friends like just her body it's like weirdly not sexual um but then she's in trouble with her pimp so they like take her in and he gets his dad to like help it's great it's really great whoa (laughs) and then obviously ed harris falls in love with melanie obviously anyway fool for love uh so there's a reveal a slow reveal even it's not even a gasping reveal that they could have started off with and then you understand the underlying tension and the reason for the fighting or at least the reason for the anger and the confusion and then you're allowed to have some sort of sympathy for these characters because they're fucked up (laughs) yeah and you just think at first oh sam rockwell's character eddie is just an alcoholic abusive asshole yeah and he is those things, but there may be an underlying reason for it. Yeah, I don't really understand, like, I, this structure makes me think that, like, the playwright was sitting there being like, and then, <laughs> towards the end, I'll reveal. <laughs> It'll be so great. And you're like, actually, up until that stuff was revealed, I didn't give a shit about anything that was happening on the stage. Exactly. Because I didn't fucking care. I didn't know who these characters were. I didn't know jack shit about them besides the fact that they were fighting with each other in a motel room. Yeah. I knew nothing about them. Oh, I think she was a waitress. She had some kind of job and he wanted to own a farm and he was wearing a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. Yeah. Also, she was dressed like a prostitute. 
Yeah, why was she, why'd she put that dress on to go to the movies? I don't know. That made no sense. That made me think that she was a prostitute. I know, she you said that, and anyone. I was like, she's not a prostitute, because I accidentally spoiled myself on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, I kind of wish I had read seven, the Wikipedia well, page before we saw yeah. the show. I might have actually enjoyed it. Well, and mildly maybe more. because apparently it's a known play to people who know plays that there maybe that's why there wasn't this gasp. But I don't I don't know, because I also do think it was such a slow burn reveal the way he talks about it. There's not room for you to be shocked by it. Right. It's very matter of fact. It's not meant to shock you. It is supposed to explain what's happening. But that information would have. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Service the Service. Play? That's what it is. It would have serviced the play and the characters right. if we had known it from the beginning. Yeah, I completely agree. And it was Sam Shepard. It was all sexist. Yeah. Which, and then it that makes it so much worse. Yeah. And there's no reason why any of those characters had to be white. Oh, well, that's 100% true. Way to go, MTC. It's also frustrating because it did feel like a scene where everyone could easily leave the situation and they had to find reasons to stay in the room. Exactly. That was what you said, like right after the curtain went down. What did you call it? What's it It called? It's like a transaction scene. Transaction scene. Yeah. In improv where you're like all, you know, the basic rules of improv are like, don't, well, that's one of them. Don't do a transaction scene. Cause if you're like, hello, I would like to purchase a sandwich. All right. Here's here's your your sandwich. sandwich. And then the scene's over. (laughs) Like that's no, that didn't start anything. Yeah. At any point, any one of them could have been like, see ya. Yeah. This play was shitty. I didn't like it. And it didn't, like, it didn't give her enough of a reason to stay. Right. Which is, like, what you're supposed to feel. Like, she wants to leave, but she can't leave. Right, because the only reason I was assuming that she was staying there is because she was suffering from Stockholm Syndrome because mm-hmm. he was so abusive to her. Which I think is part of it. Definitely. But also, they're all fucked. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Move on. I don't even care, like, to analyze this play any right. more than we well, have. We did, it was such a yeah, shit show. Yeah. It was only 75 minutes long. That was nice. Thank God. The next thing we saw, which we can't fully discuss because it's not open, was the gin game. But I did find an interesting article where James Earl Jones and Cecily Tyson both speak out against entrance applause. This is very interesting. I haven't read the article. I mean, to be fair, I haven't either. (laughs) Okay, just check. But let me pull it up. I think it's interesting because... I think entrance applause has a, its time and its place. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that when people are like uber celebrities, people will give you entrance applause whenever. Yes. And also, if you're not an uber celebrity and we're in the audience, sometimes you'll get entrance applause from just us. Yep. And you, you'll be like, what was happening? <laughs> and we'll be like, Victoria Clark, Sorry, we Vicky knew Clark. it was you in that costume. <laughs> We decided to give you entrance applause. That, I think, is just, like, ridiculous and fun. Yeah. But I actually thought, in this play, where it's two of them, listen, everybody in the fucking theater knows that they're about to see James Earl Jones and Cecily Tyson. Yeah. So, I actually did feel like the entrance applause in that show felt awkward and uncomfortable. Did you? I did. I didn't, only because he's on stage. Mm-hmm. So when you're already on stage and the the scrim went up, that entrance applause is okay, I think, because or you know, 
it's not disruptive to the play. It may be right. disruptive to the actor because they're in their space, but because it sort of is the play starting and also he's not saying anything. You're not interrupting lines or right. flow. And then she walks on stage and nothing's happening too, except for her walking on stage. As far as, as far as the play, the dialogue and the flow, I didn't find it disruptive, but that's not necessarily for me to say. Right. According to James Earl Jones and Cecily Tyson, mm. they do find it disruptive. Oh shit. We've all been <laughs> schooled. I guess like, like I'm really, I, I love entrance applause when it's like, like I feel like there's so many musicals, like especially older musicals where the entrance applause and the person's entrance was written to oh yeah facilitate something like mm-hmm. that. So when you're seeing a show like that, that has someone have a grand entrance, like then it's really fun to be like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm seeing Pamela Poe. She just came walking from the back of the theater, you guys. Like... That's really exciting. Well, and also Patty Lapone wants that entrance applause. Yeah, she does. Cicely said, it can be very distracting. I wish there was a way for actors to kill it. Whoa. This is, of course, Broadway World stealing ABC News' story about it. Of course. That's where I got this from. I should have just gone to the ABC News story. And James Earl Jones says, I think the ideal is you walk on stage and they're so wrapped by what's happening to you that they don't think of you as an actor. They get lost themselves. That's home for you right there. That's what we all want. Forget the entrance applause, please. Well, okay. And that, certainly, I understand. But that explanation doesn't really make sense because I am invested in what's happening to your character, but not when your character is just walking onto the stage. Well, yeah. Nothing's happening to your character when you walk on stage. Also, I hate to tell you, James Earl Jones, but 95% of the people in that theater are there because you're James Earl Jones. Yeah. And it may take them a while, but hopefully most of them will get there where they're watching the play and not watching James Earl Jones in a play. Right. But it's going to take them a while. And I have to say, I personally got pulled out of it a little, bo- a little bit when he said baseball like three times because I was like, I love Field of Dreams. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Going, baseball! It's like, it's like one of those James things Earl where Jones you kind voice. of are like, yeah, sorry that happens, but that's pretty standard human behavior yeah. to have those... It's way, it's so much easier to connect with a character when you're unfamiliar to the actor, like completely. That's, that's just like, I don't but, I don't think that's sure. like positive or negative. I think it's just true. I think it just happens. True. But then the next time you see that actor in anything else, you're going to think of that other character that they were playing. Yeah. And ideally you're an actor who plays many roles. Right. So people will see you more than once. Right. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, that's like some deep psychological shit that I'm like, well, I don't really, you can't, I I think it's, I just think it's kind of unfair to the audience to tell people like nobody, nobody's appreciating the hard acting work I'm doing on stage because they're all so obsessed that I'm the voice of Darth Vader. And like, that's super unfair to me. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know how to change my brain. Yeah. Yeah. But I love you, James Earl Jones, and you're great. And you're entitled to feel that way. Absolutely. And you're entitled to ask us not to, but just understand that most people won't be able to not. Right. Yeah. 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 
There are a lot of disadvantages to being famous as far as how it affects your acting career. Oh, sure. It's great because you get lots of roles and you maybe you can pick your roles and have Mm -hmm. a lot more say. But yeah, one of the big drawbacks is that once people know who you are and recognize you, that there's definitely some bad things that start people stereotype you and, Mm -hmm. you know. Wait at the stage door and tell you how much they loved you in something you did 15 years ago. And don't say jack shit about the thing that they just that you just saw them yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. That's life as, as a famous actor. Sorry, James. Sorry. I think you're great. We're seeing three shows this week. We're seeing more, but three that you can come to, that you should come to is on Monday, we'll be at Marty G. Cummings' show. Yes. At, the, at therapy. Mm-hmm. It's at 10 o'clock. I went last week with some people um, because uh, Aaron Davey was the guest. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I followed Marty on the interweb for a long time and always been like, I should go. That would be fun. That would be fun. But I probably didn't go because A, I'm lazy and B, I hate bars and I avoid them at all costs. Well, and when you have a weekly show like that, it's easy to be like, I'll go sometime. Right. Totally. Totally. Um but I was, it was a nice, quiet Monday night, and I was like, oh, like, I love Aaron Davey. That'll be fun. There's no cover charge. There's no minimum. Like, they have, I, there is, like, a minimum that they can enforce, um, but they I think didn't. if the room is full enough yeah. that they mm-hmm. don't, I still, like, you know, I bought a bottle of water because um, I want it, and then I tipped 100% because I'm crazy. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, it was really fun, and Aaron Davey was the guest, and it's, like, Marty doing the drag thing and being fucking hilarious and working that room. I mean, like, he's been doing this for a few years, and he is, like, such a seasoned host like he there was like this chatty group in the corner at this one table who um i guess were there before like way before and had just been hanging out and then mm-hmm. we're like oh there's a show here and we just happened to pick the table that was right next to the stage so like at the top of the show they were like chattering and getting really loud and like he stopped mid-song and was like girls in the corner shut the fuck up amazing like, oh my god it was fantastic like he had just a such a good read on the room and like it was so much fun and then like interviewed aaron davy and it was fun and adorable and then she sang two songs one of them was a tori amos song which i don't know the title of um and then the other one was colors of the wind <gasps> Which was wonderful and amazing. amazing. And it was just like so much fun because you're and like, when else are you going to get to hear Aaron Davies sing Colors of the Wind? I saw some photos. Was she wearing leather pants? I think they were like leggings, oh. leather leggings of some point. Yes, but she was. Mm. And she had cute little like boots um, and like she looked adorable. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. fun to see her. Like, like looking up like and, in a, you know, yeah. like she's out for a night on the yeah, town. Yeah, she looked adorable. Instead of like. An opening. Right, right, right. You know, less fancy. Yeah. No, she looked so cute. And, oh, my God, Colors of the Wind was so awesome. Oh, and then, of course, at the end, he talked her into singing I Will Never Leave You with her, of course. And then he was, I guess Alice Ripley was a guest, like, a few weeks ago, and he was like, now I've sung I Will Never Leave You with both violets. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) It was awesome. And they also did trivia. And I got called up on stage oh, right. to do trivia, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, and and it was only questions about Grey Gardens and Sideshow. And I, I did I did okay. Okay. Um and me and the other guy that were we we both did mediocrely. And then <laughs> both of us won a shot 
which I and didn't I was gonna say, claim. Yeah. <laughs> but fun. it was fun. That's good. Yeah, it was great. I'm trying and to think of the questions that I got wrong. One of them was like, how many cats did Edie say lived at the house? 40? I well it was multiple choice oh. and I I chose 75 as my guess and the actual one was that she said 300. Oh. I was guess being reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, apparently at one time Edie claimed that there were 300 cats in the house. I don't think that's true. Edie, Edie I think you overestimated crazy. that cat population in your house. <laughs> oh, one of the really interesting ones. What what century was the first pair of conjoined twins surgically separated? Oh. And the other guy was like 20th century. And no. they were like wrong. And I was like 19th century? It was the 17th. Wow. Isn't that In the crazy? 1600s? Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. I wish it, I, I wonder I if like it was like, wait, why why weren't they separated? Violet and, Violet and Daisy. They could have no, been. I said Violet and Daisy. That sounded weird. Yeah, Daisy no. and Violet. Daisy and Violet. Yeah, because wasn't it literally just like flesh? flesh? Well, I mean, they shared. I mean, one of the things that's tough is that they didn't because they didn't share like organs. Right. So it seems like it's a relatively simple surgery, but also like back in the day. Well, I know like that. you'd but that's you know, probably hit the an kind artery of, and you bleed out. Yeah, that's they probably the kind of Siamese though. twins, conjoined twins mm. in the 1600s who were separated right. because Yeah, I'm it's curious still, what that It's still surgery, case it's still was. dangerous, especially back then, but right. it, it's not like open um, heart surgery. Yeah. Or uh right. what's their names? I don't know. The uh, the TLC show. Oh, Abby and Brittany. Yeah, it's not like Abby God, and Brittany. We're both so obsessed with conjoined twins. It's weird. <laughs> I love Abby and Brittany. They're so fascinating. <sighs> uh, they just have such a interesting, interesting lives that yeah. are so completely different than everyone else's human experience. Yeah. And so I, we just all strive to understand it, I think. Yeah. But uh, Daisy and Violet... Theoretically, the I mean, the new version of the show kind of explains what happened. They since there were charges of the midwife that delivered them, mm-hmm. and she just wanted them to make money. Yeah. She showed them to surgeons, right. could have gotten them separated, but they weren't going to offer her a compensation if one or both of them died in surgery. Right. And she also realized that if she separated them, they, they would no be, longer be. I mean, an I understand why, as the children, they weren't separated. Right. But, and but then I they guess grew then up it's together. Just, yeah, and then it's just they, their life. I know, I know. Do you want to hear I a, know. Do you want to hear a story? When I was, one day when I was just reading every Wikipedia page about conjoined twins that I could mm. find, there was a pair of conjoined twins who lived in England, like way, like, I mean, I think like in the Middle Ages. Okay. I think. Like a really fucking long it's time like ago. like 1200, 1300. Yeah, I think somewhere there. around that. Because there's like really no, it's all like they lived in this one small village mm-hmm. and like all the lore around them is like oral story, like people, like it's just weird stuff yeah. that's been passed down. And there's a few like artifacts, like paintings and stuff that I think of them or it's like a whole thing in this okay. small one. Anyway. Um, but they live to be like maybe in their, I guess I have no idea how long people lived back then. But Not they lived long. at like forties. Okay. So they were probably in their thirties. Yeah. They lived like, you know, to mm-hmm. adulthood. And then 
one of them died. I don't remember what the cause of death was, but one of them died and the other one was still alive. And they were like, we can like, they were attached Mm. at the hip and at the shoulder, but with no organs or any vital stuff. And they could, you know, they were like, we'll cut your dead sister off of you. And she said, no, she said, I was came into this world with my sister and I'll leave this world. Did she say that? Or is that what Daisy and Violet said? They said that. And I think that's where they got that line (gasps) for the show because that's absolutely, that's always been like part of their story as Mm. far as I, I can tell. So that's that. What happened? She died like three hours later. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's okay, I guess. What you thought she was going to carry her like, dead sister's I don't know. body around yeah. with her? The thing about conjoined twins: if one of them dies, the other one dies shortly afterwards. Oh, like always, hmm. they can't survive because yeah, they but, share blood. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if one dies, the other one dies. That makes sense. Very shortly afterwards. Hmm. Yeah, it's sad. Well, <laughs> on Tuesday, we're seeing our friend Alexis Fishman is doing her one-woman show, Club Gelbestern, <laughs> which is German. Oh, is she um, going to be doing lots of German stuff? Probably. I've been doing, doing real well on my German studies lately. At uh, the Lori Beachman Theater uh, at 7 o'clock. It's, so it's Tuesday the 13th. There's also another show uh, the next week on the 20th if you can't make the 13th. But you should come. We'll be there. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's described as a musical in one act. And she plays a character who's a German singer, like lounge singer, uh, Jewish German lounge singer. <gasps> yeah. In Berlin. Ooh. In the 30s, Ooh. 20s and 30s. So. This sounds amazing. Yeah. I thought it was just going to be a Oh, no, I'm sorry. In the final days of the Weimar Republic, which I think is the same time that Cabaret oh, I'm not is sure. happening. Is I that right? I don't know. No, because aren't Nazis, Nazis are already a thing in Cabaret. Yeah. Let me see when the... Oh, oh it's like... Oh, it's right before Hitler takes over. Right before. Right cool. before. Oh my God. Right before Hitler took over like yeah. Berlin was this right cool, so awesome, it's like, liberal artist city. Yeah, <gasps> exactly. So it's the end of World War One through Hitler's takeover. Cool. The oh my God. Republic. I am 20 times more excited about it. Like I was already excited because I love her Republic. and I like her voice a lot and I want to hear her sing things. Mm-hmm. And now it's, I just, this is very exciting. And you can watch a video of her sing things on our yes. YouTube channel mm-hmm. because she was our guest at our show at the Beachman last year. Mm-hmm. And I finally uploaded the video. Uploaded the footage. <laughs> I apologize to everyone. Emily finally got someone to sing. They just keep moving the line. <gasps> it's amazing. God, when she picked that song, I mm. cried. I think I was so excited that someone mm. finally would it's great. indulge me and mm-hmm. sing that. Mm-hmm. So we'll be there on Tuesday. Yeah. And you guys should come. Absolutely. And if you can't come this Tuesday, come next Tuesday. Yeah. And on Wednesday, as we've already discussed oh. many times, we're seeing if it only even runs a minute. I'm excited. I'm always so oh excited God, for this, this show. show. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to our interview with Jen Tepper and Kevin Michael Murphy, mm-hmm. go download it and listen. And we talk about lots of fun things and just... It's like, you know, going to brunch with a bunch of mm. gays that love the theater. Yeah. It's uh, oh, we were 50% is, gay at that interview. It's true. 50%. It's true. <laughs> 100% white. Yep. Well, there's nothing I can do about that. My well, personal whiteness. Listen, we all fail things every day. Yes. And it's being aware of the ways in which we mm. have failed is how we do better. And yes, exactly. 
So you should do better and come to Runs a Minute. Yeah. Good segue. Thank you. (laughs) But aside from all these amazing shows, we have some of the most important casting information (gasps) that we've been waiting for. For this is months, extremely and important, months and months. This is way important. We finally know. I care more about this than I do the other characters. Who are church ladies? Are. Church ladies in color purple, the most important characters. And I, we actually only know who one of them is. Right. We know the other two. We just aren't familiar with their work. Um, but the church ladies are Carrie Compare, I'm guessing, or Compare. I don't know if you say the E at the end. Oh, I don't know. Bree Jackson and Rima Webb. I fucking love her. I'm so excited. Oh my God. The church leaders are my favorite part. It's not true. I mean, I literally well, right. love every single thing about the color purple. It is like a perfect show to me. And like... But the church ladies, especially, especially because I had listened to the cast recording like a million times Mm -hmm. and was obsessed with it before we went and saw the tour in New Jersey. What was that? Like five years ago or something? Something. A long time ago. But like you, you love the church ladies on the cast recording, Mm -hmm. but when Mm -hmm. you see them on stage, A, I think there's a lot that they do that's not Mm -hmm. in the cast recording. Right. And it's just so fucking, they're so amazing. And Rima Webb's voice is insanity. The first thing that my friend Brian said to me when I was going to go see The Color Purple was like, you're going to love the church ladies. Yes, they're so amazing. I'm so excited. They're the best. They're like the best Greek chorus in all of musical theater. 100% hands down. Absolutely. Yes. What if the geek chorus in Spider-Man had been played by the church? (laughs) I would have loved it. Oh my God. I wouldn't have gotten up during the second act to go to the bathroom. Oh God. I wish I had seen that (laughs) thing that didn't exist. Oh my God. What if the church ladies were just the Greek chorus on every show? I hope. What if Jen Tepper, if you're listening to this (laughs) church ladies at 54 below. Yes, yes, yes. Let's email her right now. (laughs) We could get these new church ladies and any previous church any lady. Previous, yeah. And they'll just sing things to yeah. me. I'm sorry. Do you want to come to 54 Below? Oops. Do you want to come to Feinstein oh, slash 54 good, Below? I didn't say it either. And um, come and watch just a bunch of amazing black women sing songs to you all night? Yes. Yeah. Always yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I want that church to be ladies. real. Church ladies. Oh, can someone write another musical that's just about the church ladies? Uh, yes. <laughs> someone can. Sister! Oh, oh my god! I'm so excited! Oh, no. oh my god! Oh god. The the singing is just—I mean—it's so good. I I think I need to see fifty percent of all performances of the color purple, which you know might run. Oh my god! Do you know what else I learned what? when I went to the color purple website? Because all of the press releases of the full cast did not break down the ensemble roles. Right. It just was like, all oh, these other people are going to be in it. So I had to go to the show's website. That tells you who everybody is, who Squeak is. Who's Squeak? Who Squeak is Patrice Covington. Do Are we familiar it's with her any Broadway of her Broadway cre- debut. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, she's been in the tours of Motown, The Book of Mormon, Dreamgirls, and Ain't Misbehavin'. Cool. Black shows. Mm-hmm. Guys, we got to do better. Yeah. I know. That's what I was thinking, too. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating when you 
like have these amazing black performers and you look at their resume and it's like the same five shows. Yep. It sucks. Same with Asian actors. Exactly. Exactly. Any ethnicity, they're like, it's just really dumb. We just, there's no reason for it. Black people can play all the characters. Asian mm. people can play all the characters. Yeah. All, everybody can play all the characters. Oh, when I went to the website, ah. right. Uh, I realized, do you know who is one of the producers of the survival of the color purple? Who? Candy Spelling. Candy Spelling. Tori Spelling's mother, wife of the late Aaron Spelling, producer extraordinaire of 90210 and Melrose Place. Okay. And I figured you would know who Candy Spelling no, is. No, I mean, like, I. Now, yeah, Tori Spelling's mom, and she yeah. produces things. Yeah. Got it. That's she all. was producer of Promises, Promises. That was like her oh. first foray into producing Broadway. But Weird. I didn't know. I know. I didn't know that she was producing this. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. For putting the money in, lady. You're welcome, says Candy Spelling. <laughs> she sold her, like, the spelling manor or whatever it was called. They had, like, a compound. And after her and Spelling died, she was like, I'm going to sell this because it's nuts. She got, like, a condo. Rich people are crazy. There was like literally something that you would call a compound. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like that documentary, The Queen of Versailles. Yeah. That's one of my favorite documentaries. It's so fascinating. Oh, hair designed by Charles G. LaPointe. (gasps) His wigs are going to be good. Color purple. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. The color purple so fucking much. I'm so excited because I saw it. Well, LaShawn's was still in it, so it wasn't towards the end of its run or anything, but that was when I hadn't been here too long, so I didn't have too many theater friends, and I don't Mm. like going to shows by myself, but I went to that one because I wanted to see it. Have you ever been to the theater by yourself? Yeah, all the time. I mean, not all the time, but if I had my choice, I wouldn't. What was a lot? Like, recently, have you seen things by yourself? Mm. I feel like you always go with someone else. Yeah, I guess I haven't seen a show by myself in a long time. It's just interesting. I love going to the theater alone. Pass. Why? If it's a show, going to the theater alone because I feel like it's a shared experience. I want to sit there and look at you when something crazy happens. I want to talk about it afterwards with someone who not only experienced that show but experienced that specific performance. Mm. If I if it's like. My only chance to see a show. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, I just really, I really enjoy going to the theater alone. I like going to the theater with people Mm -hmm. also. Um, But I love going to the theater alone because sometimes I like to just get to absorb it myself. I think I feel that way more about shows that I know well. Sure. You know, like... I saw, like, probably half the times I saw Sideshow, I saw it by myself because it's a very personal experience for me. Sure. I just like to completely just get absorbed into it and not have any distractions whatsoever. I was looking to see who the other church, who the church ladies were in the original. Virginia Ann Woodruff, Maya Nikenje Wilson. (gasps) Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. And Kimberly Ann Harris. So they should all come and do the church ladies Do it. Ladies. Yeah. Other casting news. We called it. Sydney Lucas. <gasps> oh my God. He's going to be in the Secret Garden. This is and great. We're not gonna get tickets to it. 
man. It was our Every, idea. Was, like all <laughs> Yeah. Nobody else thought of it. Nobody else thought of it. They like, everyone was our tweeting about it after they, this happened and they were like after they announced it and it was like all the like fifty dollar seats are gone yeah. already. That sucks. Yeah. God damn it. I know. Can't afford those things, you guys. I know. Somebody Give us free tickets, please. But it's going to be so good. Yeah, obviously. I have not seen The Secret Garden. I saw it at Stage Door. Oh, my God. You just have to, like, throw those out. I know. I know. (laughs) I mean, they're good references because I know what the show's about. And that one's a a little different, I guess. It was really racist. Oh. Oh. I mean, it was all white people. And they also mixed up some of the, you know, Stage Door, obviously is like 95% white yeah, and also like, I don't know, 75 or 80% female. Mm-hmm. So a lot of characters like in, you know, in their production of Aida that I saw, not only was everyone white, mm. but like you the... You just can't do it. I know, you just can't do it, guys. But the guy, you know, the character who like knows Aida from back home in the kingdom and like that was a girl, like a lot of characters just get switched to female, (laughs) you know, and something like that. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter except like maybe historically, like he wouldn't have had a female, you know, manservant or whatever that is. Anyway, why did I start talking about stage door? Because that's where you saw the secret garden. Yeah. So now I know what secret the what it, the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Do you think Daisy Egan's going to see it? Oh God, I don't know. I don't think she will. I don't think she will. She's I think like we all cool need to like, leave her no, alone well, about I it. I, <laughs> I feel like she's like if if I could never talk about the Secret Garden for the rest of my life, I'd be so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna tweet her and ask her. Don't do it. I'm not gonna do that. I Nobody hope she else do does it. more shows. I saw her show at. 54 Below. When she was pregnant? Yeah, when she was pregnant. No, wait. No, I didn't see her show when she was pregnant. I saw her show after she had given birth because she told stories Mm. about her son. Um, Her son's real cute. He's a ginger. Yeah. But she was also like, I walked out of that show and was like, if she was in New York and was doing like a monthly show or something, like I would go to everyone. She's back. Oh, what? What? She lives in New York now. Oh, God, I've missed that. That's the other reason why I asked that. Only because she'll be here. Right. Oh, okay. Well, shit. Why isn't she doing a monthly show I can go to? She's got a baby, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. She's so funny. She's her. great. I want like a round can table Sydney... with her and like Mara Wilson. Oh, yeah. Like former <laughs> child actresses who are like, fuck that. Yeah. But like not fucked up. Also, I feel like both of them would be friends. Oh, yeah. Like they they have I the same. I don't know if they know each other, but they definitely have a similar. Right. Uh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can Sydney Lucas like win a special Tony for doing this? <laughs> for adding luster to the Broadway season. Yeah, that's true. The Tonys forget that they can do whatever the fuck that's they want. True. And they could just give Tonys to whoever they want. That's true. And make up reasons. Yep. So the special Tony can be for anything. Yeah, it's special. <sighs> I yeah, know. Adding luster. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I miss the Tonys when they were, when I wasn't alive and they were just crazy. <laughs> I miss the Tonys when I wasn't alive. <laughs> uh, well, one of our favorites is getting an honor. 
one of my certain favorites. <gasps> Christine Ebersol? Not Christine Ebersol, but I love Christine Ebersol. <laughs> I was trying to think of who your faves are. John Cullum. Oh, you love John I Cullum. I love John Remember Cullum. Remember when we were in an elevator oh my with God. him? And he was wearing a Northern Exposure hat and yeah. windbreaker. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I totally we forgot got, he was on that show because I didn't really watch it. It was a TV show, like early, mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And I, like... It was it was one of the first of those like small town quirky comedy wow. shows, like dramedy shows, you know what I mean? Twin Peaks. I think Peaks? they were in well, Twin Peaks was weird. Oh, okay. More like a sort of like maybe quirk wise a precursor to Gilmore Girls. Ah, uh, okay. Like weird characters. Gotcha. Um I think they were in Alaska. Okay, or somewhere where they're like cold. Northern exposure. <laughs> or somewhere where they're cold. <laughs> it's called Northern Exposure. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, I forgot he was on that show. And I love that he was like repping it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we helped him get out of the building. Yeah. Because the elevator came out in a different place than where he got on. Yeah, that building is confusing sometimes. <laughs> it was great. It was pretty exciting. Anyway, he is having a theater renamed for him. <gasps> The theater was the Chernuchin Theater. Well, Chernuchin. Where uh, is it? It was, was one of four theaters housed at the off-Broadway American Theater of Actors. It's on 54th Street near 8th Avenue. Cool. And it's, yeah, it's going to be renamed the John Cullum Theater. That's awesome. It is awesome. Wait, where is it? 54th? 54th near 8th. Oh, I know where that is. Oh. I've been in that space before. Oh. Like once, like six For years ago. For reading or something? Yeah. Hmm. I saw something there. It's hmm. a confusing little building. Hmm. Um, oh, no. I hope he doesn't get lost. I hope someone <laughs> oh, helps him off the elevator. Help him off the elevator. Give him directions. I love John Cullum so yeah. much. That's awesome. He's the best. He deserves all the things. It's going to be really, like, interesting and exciting to find out, like, like, the theaters that are going to be renamed over the next like 20 years. Oh yeah. You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like who, who, you know, is, is we've already got a Stephen Sondheim. Yeah. Maybe one day there'll be a Lin-Manuel Miranda theater. They'll probably like rename the Richard Rogers. Like tomorrow they'll rename it. (laughs) Um, who I bet, I bet at one point there will be a Jen Tepper theater. (gasps) Yes. Oh, God, yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Maybe it'll be the Alvin. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? And she won't even call it the Jim Pepper <laughs> She'll theater. call it the, the Alvin. Alvin. That's Which is actually the Neil Simon. I really think that... The only way yeah. I remember that is because it's Alvin Simon, and now we need to name it Theodore something. Those are the chipmunks. <laughs> what? It was the Alvin announced the Simon, and it needs to be the Theodore. Next. That's funny. I get it. Yeah, it could be like the Theodore Geisel Theater, which is the real name of Doctor Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's funny. the person, only person I could think of with that name right now. That's hilarious. I I think that the Richard Rogers will one day be renamed the Lin Manuel Miranda Theater. I'm gonna call. That's it. a pretty solid bet, right? But that's where both of his shows mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. I'm bet. sure he'll have more shows there. Give it like another like 30 years. Yeah. And it, yeah. It'll... You know, because he's only like 35. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. No, I was going to say like <laughs> give it another, yeah. Give it another 30 years yeah. when he's like in his 
late 60s or mm-hmm. something and has mm-hmm. produced all these amazing epics, then we'll rename it. Yeah. And at that point, too, it'll be sad because people will be like, who's Richard Rogers? Which is sad, but Carousel was awful. <laughs> I agree. I don't think anyone will ever forget Richard Rogers. I don't think it will sure. be like allowed. Well, but I mean, I think it's different remembering knowing who someone like Richard Rogers is as a, you know, oh, that theater as opposed to something like the Walter Kerr. Yeah. Where people no, are like, true. who the fuck's that guy? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Al Hirschfeld. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Both yeah. of the two of those ones, especially, I think people are sort of like, no clue. I don't know. <gasps> Maybe it won't be the Squigs Theater. Maybe they'll <gasps> rename the Al Hirschfeld oh my God. the Squigs Theater. The future is looking bright, you guys. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be awesome. Maybe they'll name the rename the Little Schubert the Patty and Emily Theater. <laughs> And we'll still call it the little, the little Schubert. Schubert. <laughs> yeah, you'll never get me to stop calling it the little Schubert. No. It's so cute. I know the little Schubert. The little Schubert. There's the other casting that I put after the John Cullum news. I didn't put it with the other castings, but what did you do? The, <laughs> I just misordered it. The gigantic cast uh, oh, casting yeah, has been exciting. announced. Which gigantic used to be Fat Camp? Yes, uh, which had. I, I believe, is it Nymph? Yeah. I was supposed to see it. I had a ticket to it. Oh, man. I didn't... What I, happened? <laughs> I was supposed to see a matinee of Fat Camp, and I had tickets to Leap of Faith in the evening, and Leap of Faith was closing the next day, and I was so, flying to Seattle, and I decided that I really wanted to see Leap of Faith twice twi- in one day. Oh. <laughs> so you didn't go to Fat Camp. You uh, bought a matinee ticket for Leap of Faith. Yep. Because you couldn't go to closing of Leap of Faith. I couldn't go to closing night, and that really Mother's Day. was really upsetting and hurtful to me. So <laughs> I made sh- I saw it twice in one day the last time I saw the show. Oh, I had God. also seen it on Wednesday. Wednesday was this a Saturday then? It was, yeah, I saw it Wednesday mat- the oh, week closed. Why didn't you give me your fat camp matinee ticket? Because I literally decided oh, it like, it like decided. 15 minutes before <laughs> showtime. Like a psychopath. Oh, also that's great. Because I was supposed to be on a second date. Oh, I'm a crazy person, you guys. And you ditched your second date? Yeah. Who was your second date? I saw one I met on OkCupid. Oh. And we had gone on one date and it was like, okay, and kind of fine. And I was like in that, I was in that mood where I was like, I just need to do things that make me uncomfortable because I'm supposed to get out there. And it was sort of one of those days where I was like, why am I going to a show with a girl I don't care about to force myself to do something that's uncomfortable because I think that's what I'm supposed to do when all I really want to do is see Leap of Faith. I'm seeing Leap of Faith. (laughs) That's how I feel about when people try to make me do things I'm uncomfortable with. Hmm. I'm like, no. Why do I want to be uncomfortable? I mean, I understand I mean, I the think difference between like putting yourself out yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. And I was trying to like, put myself out there. Yeah. And now I've come to the point where I'm like, I can put myself out there, but I'm also, there's just a lot of things I don't like doing. Yeah. Like, I don't fine. like going to bars. Yeah. I hate bars. To, I don't yeah. like, drink alcohol. I don't like bars. I don't go to bars anymore. Yeah. At all. I mean, except when there's drag queens. Well, because they're rarely anywhere else. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I saw Leave of Faith twice that's in one so day. I can. Weird. I mean, I can believe it. This is, is that the only time, only time, time I've it? ever seen the same show twice in one day? I mean, I can believe that you did it, but I can also believe that that's the only time that it happened. Yeah. God, I loved Leave of Faith so much. It was pretty great. It was so good. I loved it. 
Anyway. Anyway, gigantic casting. Yeah. Our good friend, Leslie Pritzer, is going to be in it. I'm so excited to see it. Mm-hmm. I love her. I'm excited because I, I heard a lot about it. Yeah. Uh, and I was interested to see it then, and I didn't. And now I get a chance. Yes. And it's Vineyard is producing it, but it's at the Acorn. Right, because this is the Vineyards under construction. Right. Which is good because that place was Yeah, it needs, a mess. needs work. The downstairs work. and the bathroom was were weird. Yeah. Um, Burke Moses is also in it. That's amazing. Who was he in the Music Man? He was Kate in the Music Baldwin? Man. He was Harold Hill. Yeah. He was also a Gaston. He might have been the oh, original God. Gaston. He is. Right? Gaston. Isn't that perfect? <laughs> yeah. 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 He looks like he looks like the sketch the artist who yeah. who did that movie sketch the character based <laughs> off his face. Yeah. And uh, another favorite Ryan Redman. I love her. That's amazing. Me too. Me too. And Taylor Louderman. I'm interested to see what role she's going to play in this the, show about a fat camp. The bitchy she girl? like the fitness instructor or something? Yeah, I'm not sure. She's I would not assume fat. so. She's is not she fat. like a skinny girl whose mom made her go to fat camp because her mom has her own body issues? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know. I'm excited to see this because I feel like a lot of times in movies and television shows, they try to make us think people are fat who aren't fat. Mm-hmm. And it infuriates me. Yeah, and I'm not, don't mean to call these actors fat. But the other show was called Fat Camp, so. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, but, but it, there's a difference the between, cast. like, you know, Renee Zellweger and Bridget Jones's Diary. Who was like, a normal size. A normal size human being. And, like, and that's, that movie wasn't as bad because I do feel like she was sort of talking to herself the way regular right. women talk to themselves. Absolutely. But, like, in... The, the my first my first thought was this this kids movie Camp Nowhere, okay. um, which is oh, now she explained the plot of Camp Nowhere. <laughs> so all these kids are supposed to go to summer camp, but instead they trick their parents by using con artist uh, Christopher Lloyd. He each pretend he pretends to be a different kind of camp instructor at each of their parents' house, and they all pay him money. And so one's supposed to go to computer camp, one's supposed to go to like a stage door right. manor camp, one's oh supposed God, to go to this funny. camp, and one girl's supposed to go to fat camp, and she's like thin. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also, I'm like I as like a a pretty overweight twelve year old kid. I'm like watching this movie, right. being like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Yeah. Well, even like, like Bridget that Jones, adorable which, thin girl is supposed to be like nobody likes me. Right. It's like I hate everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's all bullshit. And even Bridget Jones is in the book. She's not. She's explicitly described as larger than yeah. Renee ever was. And yeah. like, you know, or if you saw it, should have been you with Ugh. the understudy, mm-hmm. Farrah Alvin. You'd be like, what? Why Unless they put her in a fat suit. Well, yeah, we haven't gotten a definitive answer on that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I completely on, agree. She? It's 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 fucking dumb. Yeah. It's just stupid. Well, and so I, you know, musicals like this, it's upsetting that that's not that these stories don't deserve to be told and not that there's not a good story behind them, but like that's the opportunity for all of these actors of a certain shape to get right. on stage. Yeah. And I'm glad that it's there. Yeah. 
but, but it also sucks. And that's why I was so frustrated when they took away the fat girl character and bear, even though mm. I loved that bear. I was right. like, you don't take away a fat girl yeah. character. Yeah. You just don't. Right. It's like, it's not like making a black character white because there are different racial issues there. Yeah. But as far as exposure. Right. Well, and I mean, I think the same to size issues, the same thing applies to the racial issues where sure. we're like, you know, black people are like, can we write a show that's a, by black people and about black people, but it's not about being black. Mm. They just happen to be black yeah. and this is their story. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Like any, any character of any who's not, you know, Laura Benanti skinny, their plot point is that they are not Laura Benanti yep. skinny. No offense to Laura Benanti. I love you and think, yeah, we're not thin shaming, but she's anybody. an example of someone who is maintaining a TV weight and she knows it. Yeah. You know, like, and TV weight is, malnourished <laughs> like yeah. just the, like it's just insane when you see tv actors in person you're like what did you just get out of auschwitz what's wrong with you well especially when you see tv actors on stage with theater actors who yeah. you're like theater actors are already so thin but then you mm-hmm. throw a tv actor up there with them and you're like what the <gasps> fuck when we've seen christian chenoweth at her tv weight mm. it's terrifying because her tv weight is probably like 85 pounds yeah and she's tiny but like her normal weight is probably like a hundred pounds. Yeah. I don't know if it's that much. It's it's like 20 pounds, but it's probably at least like 10 to 15. Yeah. It's scary and sad. And I don't like seeing TV actors in person because they're, they scare me. They're so skinny. Mm. It's looks uncomfortable. Yeah. Like they look cold all the time. Oh God. Like when I saw Juliana Margulies in person, I was like, what's wrong with your body? Like you look like a skeleton. Mm. It's very unattractive. Yeah. Well, it's also unhealthy. Yeah. And again, there are people whose frames and body types are that mm-hmm. thin, and right. that's what your body is when it's healthy. Right. But like the percentage of those people does not equal the percentage of, ac- of actresses in Hollywood. Absolutely. S- speaking of malnourished people, <gasps> it was Lame Is's 30th anniversary. Ha! That was a good segue. That was. Thanks. Congratulations, Lame is. You <laughs> did it. It's not really its 30th anniversary. It's really its 35th anniversary because I looked it up and it's 30 years from the West End production in 1985. But in 1980 is when the French production uh, right. premiered. And when did Phantom open? I don't know. Um, 80. I think it opened on Broadway in 87. Oh, seven. 86. I'm not sure. Let me look it up. I only guessed 87 because that's my birth year, and I think that Phantom and I are the same age. Oh, then that might be right. Oh, 86. What month? Um, October. Oh, like it was almost, uh, it was just Phantom's 29th anniversary on the 9th. Right. And that is West End, and mm. that was the first production of it. So next year it will be Phantom's 30th anniversary. And, but Les Mis is still running in London. That original production, it has moved theaters That's crazy. twice. It's been in That's three different crazy. theaters, but it's still running. I saw it 15 years ago, halfway through the run. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. I just, it's like halfway through. That's crazy. I wonder how many years these crazy oh, so Andrew Lloyd Webber shows will oh, keep God. playing. Why couldn't Joseph be playing forever? Wait, Les Mis isn't Andrew Lloyd Webber. No, Les Mis isn't. It's It's the boy and boing guys. (laughs) 
Yes. Boobleel and Schoenberg. Boobleel and Schoenberg. Yep. I will never, I don't think there will ever be a time in my life where, where I can you like say those pull words it out. without having to hear them first. Yeah. Boobleel and Schoenberg. Boobleel. Boobleel. Uh-huh. I just call them the ABBA guys. Why? They're not the ABBA guys. Nope. <laughs> Who am I thinking of? <laughs> Bjorn. See? <laughs> That's similar. <laughs> Born and what? Bjorn and um, I can't remember which one it was. Let me see that did chess. I don't, I have a hard, I don't know anything about oh, Scandinavian languages. Yeah, but Boobliel and Schoenberg are French. I don't know anything about French languages. I don't know anything about languages besides English, Hebrew, and a little bit of German. That's funny. You're 4% fluent in German. 4% fluent in German now, Ooh. you guys. I can say things like, we're essen brut. We're eating we're bread. E- oh, we're eating bread. <laughs> That's about all I got so far. Oh. Bjorn. Oh, Benny Anderson. He's got the easy name, and I remember Benny Anderson. Bjorn Ulveus. Yeah, I'm sorry. These names are all really difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Lame is keep going strong. I'm sure you will. <sighs> Carolee, 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 Carolee. Update. Carolee Carmelo is the fucking shit. Um, <laughs> Good actually, one. <laughs> Carolee is. Uh, this is. Oh my god. This is actually like really fucking exciting. It's so Carolee exciting. News. It's perfect. My prayers have been answered. Somebody wrote a show for Carolee Carmelo. Yeah. 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 Um, I, and I have no choice to assume that this show was specifically written with only her in mind because she's perfect and wonderful. Um, but she's going to be in a play with music. Right. The life of, it's like the life of Ethel Merman. Presenting Ethel Merman. She's playing Ethel Merman. She's playing Ethel Merman. I'm so fucking excited about this. She's playing Ethel this Merman. This is so epic. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm She's so playing excited. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! I'm so excited! I really hope that there's just lots of curse words. Oh yeah, Ethel Merman. She's yeah. She is one not of my a favorite genteel Ethel, lady. Ethel Merman stories, which I hope is in the show, but I doubt we'll make it in. Is that um, I don't exactly have is all the details for this story. Her curls? No, oh. she was. Uh, no, I don't remember any of this story. I shouldn't tell it. Okay. I just remember that the moral was that Mary Martin called, no, Ethel Merman called Mary Martin a dyke, and I thought it was funny. <gasps> that is funny. Mary Martin is a dyke. Mm, good for her. Yeah. She's awesome. Mary Martin has an interesting story, too. Whose mom is she? She's somebody's mom. Is she? I mean, I know she had like three kids, but did any of them become famous? Yeah. Let me see. I can't remember. Oh, she's Larry Hagman's mom. Who the, who's that? He was on Dallas. Never and seen I think he was on I Dream of Jeannie. Ah. And hold on. Let me confirm something. Nope. I can't confirm it because I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he did those things. That's cool. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so excited though. Ethel Merman is such an interesting, crazy lady. I have a m- memoir of hers. God, wait. A memoir? I, w- like I a- went through all my books and I didn't find that. Oh, man. Mm. I must have gotten it at the library. Ah. Um, 
But I just remember, I remember, yeah, it was a memoir, I think. I don't think it was a biography, mm. but maybe I'm wrong. This was also like seven years ago. Um, but I, there was like just fucking great, amazing stories of her like sitting at a table at the opening night at oh, 4 a.m. with the great. New York Times spread out being like, let me tell you faggots a story. <gasps> like crazy stuff like that Ethel. because she was just like, I mean, I don't oh. know if she used the word faggot because she, I don't know that faggot well, was like yeah, the probably same connotation else, back then. Like, but you know, like, let me tell you motherfuckers or- about all this shit goddamn yeah. like i love her she's so so she's amazing you know who else is gonna be in this reading burke moses yes <laughs> he's playing two of her four husbands so amazing. he is like the ed watts of, of <laughs> Ethel Merman. i love it <laughs> oh my god i can't even I can't even Carolee Carmelo singing Ethel so Merman's song. This is so fucking exciting. She's going to sing, there's no business <gasps> like show business. Oh, oh God. It's going to be so great. I just, oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Oh. I'm going to like spontaneously combust. It's yeah. 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 Oh. 2016 workshop will likely follow and the hope is for a Broadway arrival in early 2017. Let's do it. Carolee Carmelo. <laughs> I'm so excited. Now it's time for the Laura Benanti Tweet of the Week. On October 6th at 3.15 p.m., Laura Benanti tweeted, My current mood would be most accurately described as 30 minutes early for my therapy session. (laughs) That's funny. I like the way you read the tweets. Yeah. It's funny. Because I feel like I just read them. Oh. And you, like, read them as they're written. Ah. With, you know. Inflection and such? Yes, yes, Mm. yes. Well, I did some acting on the stage. (laughs) It's also just very precise, which Mm. is very patty. Yes. Uh, One of my sister's friends, after she met me, like, this is years and years and years ago, but uh, she, like, met the whole family, and she, the only thing she had to say about me was that I had good enunciation. That's weird. (laughs) Isn't that weird? (laughs) I was like, were you crazy you. to her? I don't were think you, like, so. Mean to her, and she was think, like, the trees think... looked really very I mean, real. I may have been in my I'm a Patty, I'm a bit much <laughs> phase, but I don't think so. I think it was after that, even because it was someone she still knows. So mostly, it's interesting. It like because in college, I feel like the normal thing to do in those situations, even if you met someone's family and you hated them, was I, like not just, to say anything, right? To not say anything, or just be like, oh yeah. Your sister was nice. I don't know why she said That's that. That's so funny. Maybe she never heard anyone like actually say tease before or something. I don't know. <laughs> Would that fit? Is that like a Chicago dialect thing? I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. No, because Chicago's like uh, you don't really say all the word. You know all the letter, all the letters. Say something in a Chicago accent. Well, I'm talking in a Chicago accent right now. Okay. So you know, you don't really say like I would say like mother. Mutter. It's not like mutter, but it's not like mother. Right. I don't know. It's weird. What What was the accent that Alexis Fisher was? She was doing was a Chicago so, a accent. Chicago yeah. Accent. That's but hers why, yeah. was more like suburban Chicago. Yeah. Which is what mine is. Right. But like, because it also can get into the, uh, it can get into a little Wisconsin y. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little Fargo. Yeah. I love accents. Sort of northern Midwestern area there. I just love, I think Wisconsin's one of my favorite accents because it's so fucking weird. It's so, it's so harsh to so many people, but Mm. because I'm from that area, it's so warming to me. It's like so comforting for somebody to be like, how you doing? (laughs) 
That's funny. I feel like I'm just like, oh my god, what? You Chicago people so also crazy. say use. Use? Yeah. Hey, use guys. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> or like, what can I get yous? Jews? What can you get the Jews? Jews? What can I get Jews? There are a lot of Jews in Chicago. Right, because I don't, that's true. My mom grew up in Chicago. Skokie. Yeah. And Evanston. Yeah. And um, Rogers Park. Mm. That was, I think, is like a few blocks away from the house she grew up in. Anyway. Anyway. Laura Benanti went to therapy (laughs) and got there early. Self care, Laura Benanti. It's very, very important. Mm -hmm. She just teaches us all so many great life lessons. She's the best. She is pretty fantastic. That's our show. Until next week, you can follow us on Twitter at at Patty, the letter N, Emily, Patty, N, Emily. You can follow us individually at Patty with Y and at Emily Faye Oakley and find us anywhere else on the internet by searching Patty and Emily. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us and leave us a comment and we'll read it on the show. Send us your topic suggestions, questions, dreamcasts, etc. And in the meantime, go go see live theater. theater.